The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, and we are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas. Big D here, uh, <laughs> deep in the heart of Texas, right on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Jerry. <laughs> well, hello. Well, hello. <laughs> and what did you call the Big D yesterday? Double D's. That's right. <laughs> Double D's. If the city's grown so much, we're in a double D. (laughs) I can be pretty funny sometimes, right? Indeed. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I find uh, you highly entertaining quite often. Oh, thank you. As well. I feel the same way about you. And I got one of the most highly entertaining guys here. I got to bring him in right away and wish him a happy new year. One of my favorite people on the planet. His name is Dewan Bennett. He's been on the show for many years. Dewan, how are you doing? Happy new year. I am doing great. Happy New Year, Byrne. How would your Happy New Year, New Year. holiday? <laughs> it was great. It was great. A quiet. You know, I had a beautiful Christmas with my two daughters. Uh, I I had found their baby books that were missing for 14 years, Dewan, and I but got these beautiful pink boxes from um, the container store and tissue paper in any way. And I um, presented them, I wrapped them up and they got that. And then their first little Christmas outfit, I put that in another box. And anyway, it was a lot of tears, a lot of sentimental uh, value and just a, a beautiful Christmas. What Christmas should be about, right? Not just a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it should be about family, like yeah. you know, family traditions, routines, new things that you guys do together. Um, getting out, creating memories. I think that when we're when we're young as kids, you know, we're kind of just going through the routines of life. But when we mm-hmm. get older, those traditions that we had with our parents growing up, those pictures, those videos, mm-hmm. it means so much more to us, right? It's a, it's it's a reflection of like our childhood and the normalcy, at least for those who have it, the normalcy of just like being kids when things were innocent and you didn't have to worry. So. Christmas should definitely be about family. Yeah, I completely understand that. You know, I'm uh, adopted, and the family that I grew up with, basically I'm an orphan in that respect. You know, parents mm-hmm. are, are, both my parents are gone, all my siblings are gone uh, for my adoptive family. Uh, my aunts and uncles, they're, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the traditions that I had there disappeared, but the ones that I made with my biological family are now in place there and nice. I look forward to going out there Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, uh, you know, the summer holidays, birthdays. We go out there and we hang out and we we cook on the grill and we drink a lot of beer and you know, <laughs> we eat it. the food and then we watch football and then we pass out and we go home. <laughs> drink a lot of beer. <laughs> Who was it that's famous for saying that? The guy that was running what's his name? Kavanaugh, right? Oh, was- <laughs> yeah. I like beer. <laughs> I like beer. What's wrong? <laughs> 
Oh, like oh my beer. gosh. I'll drink beer. <laughs> I have drank beer. I'll drink more beer in the future. Oh my gosh. I, I like Guinness beer when I drink beer and I don't drink very much beer and I don't drink very much alcohol at all anymore. I've kind of given it up. A um, little bit here or there, you know, a glass made of it sterner stuff than I. Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, you know, it came down to, I had, you know, yeah, we won't go into it, but yeah, I, but it's one of the best decisions I ever made and cause it's easy to overdo it and it's, it's, it is, it's easy to overdo it, but everything in moderation I think is the key, but life can hit you with some hard stuff. Right. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking today in, uh, inadvertently we're talking about uh, steps to starting therapy. You know, I think that it's a wonderful idea for everyone to have therapy at least uh, once in their life. Uh, if they can afford it, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask you, Dewan, is what can they do if they can't afford it? But let me officially introduce Dewan if you're listening for the first time. Dewan Bennett is a licensed professional counselor with two master's degrees and over 14 years of counseling experience. He currently has his own practice, Dewan Bennett Counseling in Dallas, Texas. He believes that the key to mental and behavioral success is the ability to master self-awareness and emotional control. You can find Dewan on Instagram at d.bennett underscore counseling that's d.bennett underscore counseling and like i said we're talking about steps to starting therapy you know i um i'll tell my story along the way and so will you but dewan it's the new year right and it's the perfect time i think to reassess ourselves and our lives and even seek therapy if you can afford it and if you i think everybody can benefit from it but dewan who is a good candidate for therapy or is it good for everyone Burn, I would say it's good for everyone. I mean, I think health care is good for everyone. To care for your health in general, as a general statement, is important for the longevity of our lives, uh, for our happiness, for our creativity, for us to be able to thrive. And I think therapy is just another form of health care, simple, you know, the same as going to see your doctor or your PCP or your gynecologist or your dentist. It's just another form of health care that I think everyone could benefit from. And I also think that there are a lot of people who have never tried therapy before that Mm -hmm. it would be life-changing for them if they actually decided to go down and sit sit down and talk with a therapist. Mm -hmm. I think it's critical for children, especially if they're going through a divorce. You know, I think it should be, I I don't believe in typically mandates. I'm very, um, you know, believe in uh, basically a libertarian, very little to just the the basic amount of government that we need in order to keep things running well. But I do think that that judges need to pay attention to that family court judges after having worked in family court for many years in upstate New York. Originally, before I moved here, I saw how children firsthand, how they suffer uh, in situations that they they really you can have a court appointed attorney or you know an advocate for a child advocate uh, officer but it's not the same as uh, as an as a therapist who is sworn to secrecy basically or what are the rules for children uh, here in Texas you just made me think of it as I was speaking or I made my myself think of it what are the rules here in Texas for ch- a child therapy well, well for for therapy in Texas it's just tricky right because I think that COVID has caused a lot of children who are under the age of 17 to reach out on their own to get therapy. And and, and in this state, you know, um, a child is not allowed to consent for themselves. They have to be an adult to be able to consent Mm, for themselves mm -hmm. to get therapy. And so it's tricky because I think as therapists, we love seeing it. I love when I get an email from a high school student uh, or a phone call from a high school student saying, hey, I, 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 I realize I want to talk to a therapist. But in order for us to treat them the same that, you know, any other 
doctor or a provider would, they need a consent. And so I think consent is important and not even that sometimes what you see. And a lot of times if you have parents who have a custody situation where they have joint custody of the kid, then one parent can't just go and say, hey, I'm going to sign my kid up for therapy. We usually need consent from both parents in mm-hmm. order to get the kid in therapy. It's not too often has that been a problem, but you can see that in some kind of very contentious uh, divorce battles where, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, well, I don't want them talking to this person or that person. Mm-hmm. and You did it without my approval. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, consent is very important. And, and as therapists, we have to abide by your confidentiality. So unless right. you're willing to, unless you're threatening to hurt harm yourself or harm someone else, we can't we can't tell or divulge your confidential information to anyone without your permission. Mm-hmm. That's what I was kind of alluding to. Yeah. Um, and that's the way it should be because everyone needs a safe place, right? So, someone that they can talk to who they know they can let their heart bleed and then it never gets repeated to anyone. Just sometimes I think all children, so many children, they just need someone to listen to them, you know? And people, too, adults, yeah. we, we need someone to just simply listen and not try to fix it or give us advice uh, or compare our suffering to somebody else's. And a lot of people do that. You know, they do. They instantly say, oh, well, you know, you don't have it that bad. I know this person. Da, 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 da. That doesn't negate the the sadness or the loneliness or the dis- disturbance that you feel yourself personally. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I would agree. I think that we all need someone that we can communicate with that we feel is going to listen to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important is that you feel valued enough that someone is going to give you their undivided attention and they're going to listen to you. And they're not always going to even give you advice or feedback or try to solve the problems that they'll just listen. Because a lot of times when people get to talking and they start to be able to fully process things and feelings and emotions, they start to come to the conclusions and the answers themselves. Now, in some cases, they may not, and they need a little more assistance than that. But I think that one of the struggles that you see with people uh, who really suffer from depression is they feel isolated, they feel alone, and they feel like no one cares. And I think a therapist allows people to feel like, hey, I have somebody that I can talk to mm-hmm. that's going to listen to me, and that cares about my feelings and what I have to say. Yeah. You know what song popped into my head? I don't know. if I, Jerry, you'll probably know. Dewan, I'm not so sure. It's that song, We All Need Someone We Can Lean On, and if you want to, you can lean on me. <laughs> you know the song I'm oh, talking lean about? Lean on me when yeah. you're not no. strong, and I'll be your friend. No, 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 on. no. It's a, it's originally, oh my gosh, I think the Rolling Stones did it. Let It Bleed. Let It Bleed. That's the name of it. And it oh. says, we all, you know, uh, you can play it during, one, during the breaks. And it, if and I have it, I, let's see. You, I, you, I th- bet you do. I don't know. And they, and uh, Dave Matthews actually did the song, cut a really good version of it with Mick Jagger back about, I don't know, 12, 14 years ago, something like that. That's my favorite version of it. I don't like the original one, but if you, like, like this, the, the lyrics say, you know, we all need someone we can lean on, and if you want to, you can lean on me. So... <laughs> I'll let you look at it. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm going to stay on track <laughs> like I did not yesterday. So we're going to go to break. More coming up with Dewan Bennett, everyone. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you missed the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. <laughs> In today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. 
Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The courage to face COVID-19, preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming by Dr. Robert Malone. And Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. All right. I hear it. We're going to listen for a second. You guys, sing along if you feel inclined. I'll need someone we can lean on. I love it. Let it play. You can lean on me. Lean on. <laughs> you can let it play in the background just for a little bit. <laughs> you know, there's the, the another lyrics to the song, and we all need someone we can cream on. And if you want to, <laughs> you can cream on me. <laughs> it's such a great song. It really so, by is. the way, you, uh, <laughs> you uh, got a Christmas card in the mail today. I know. I, 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 I opened it up. And no check fell out, so. <laughs> and it was from Monica Berg, the yes. very lovely Monica Berg, who is the author of Rethink Love and the head of the Kabbalah International Institute uh, out of Los Angeles. And, uh, yeah, she sent a thank you card about being on the show, and I, I, I love that. It was so polite, so nice, so gracious. She's a lovely woman. And her daughter is at George Washington University, too. And my daughter's leaving, and just right after the show, I'm going to hug her, and off she's driving to dc <laughs> and i'll be behind her on saturday so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be an empty nester you guys <laughs> what do you think of that i can't even believe You'll, it uh, believe me <laughs> you will find ways to fill that time in that space i promise yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you'll have a little fun a little sadness a little fun a little sadness it'll be a back and forth yeah well, it's great to be here among my friends. Uh, Dewan, you, you're such a great guy. You are. And I really do consider, you know, a lot of people like yourself, um, just true friends that have been on the show for many, many years. And, of course, Jerry has been such a nice addition getting to know him. We knew each other before through the Russ Martin uh, show. I would see him in the hallway, you know. And, uh, and, and life is so funny. And now, you know, uh, God rest his soul. You know, uh, Russ has passed on and, and Jerry's with us. And so you never know what life's going to throw at you, right? And that's one of the reasons that therapy can be so beneficial. Agreed, guys? <laughs> now that's a segue. <laughs> excellent How'd job. you like that? Excellent, thank you. Excellent, thank, excellent. thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. You get good at – I'm starting to get a little better after doing this for almost 12 yeah. years. <laughs> Look, that was a phenomenal – that was a phenomenal assist, Vern. And, and I think you hit it on the head. Um, I think 
when you think about the common person, when they think of therapy, when they hear therapy, they hear going to talk to a counselor, they think, oh, you're, you either have anxiety or depression or substance abuse or relationship issues. And that's not always the reason. I would say, you know, just thinking about me as a therapist and the years that I've been doing it now, 16 years, I would say that at least half of my clients are not there because of some diagnosis they have. They're there because of maybe a transition in life or uh, they, they want some advice or feedback about a career move. Hell, or, you might have a problem you, know, you don't have, even realize you have until you start talking to somebody about it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you, you, it, it may not. It may be something that you didn't even know was going on. You may are trying to figure out should you take this job or that job, or you may have some difficulties with your kids, or you're preparing to be an empty nester. So there are a lot of things that people go to therapy for. A lot of times it's transitioned. Mm -hmm. And when they're transitioning to things in life and they want to learn healthy coping skills to manage that or healthy, you know, get some feedback on some decisions, I think you see people going to therapy for that more than what you think people are going to therapy for, such as depression, anxiety, um, and substance abuse issues. Although those are, you know, important reasons to go to therapy, I think people go to therapy for an array of issues and not just what people think typically people are going to therapy for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's so many benefits, I think. Uh, but what do you think about, what are some of the benefits of talking to a therapist over talking to a friend or a family member about our issues? I think one of the key benefits of it is like having somebody to listen and validate you. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, learning um, some coping skills is important. I think that's an extreme value because I think that a lot of people have unhealthy coping skills. Um, you know, the typical things cough. that we go to to, to cope. <laughs> <laughs> the typical things that we go to for coping skills is usually it's some type of drug or substance abuse. It's overworking, overeating, shopping, porn, are uh, gambling, right? So those are usually the unhealthy coping skills that people utilize. So going to therapy mm -hmm. helps you adapt some healthy coping skills, such as, you know, working out, meditating, um, yeah. you know, spending time with friends, things of that nature, and just developing some emotional regulation skills that are important to how to regulate your emotions, how to control your emotions, mm -hmm. how to develop a sense of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's a, that emotional intelligence. We don't, we don't talk enough about that. We really don't. It's so valuable if you possess that, if you've got those kind of street smarts. Some, that's something they can't teach you in a university. Would you agree? Emotional intelligence? Is there even such a course at any of the major universities in this country? I don't know, Bern. I don't think so. And I think you, you that's what we used to call exactly street smarts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, emotional intelligence is what we grew up calling street smarts. And I think going to therapy can really help you deal with that. We live in a world that is very fast-paced. It's moving. There's constant changes. We're in a recession. We have mass layoffs. And being able to manage your self-awareness, your self-management, your social awareness and your social management, essentially emotional intelligence, is key to being able to survive in a world that's constantly changing. We have extreme highs. The economy is great. Then we have extreme lows. The economy is horrible. Being able to just manage the constant adjusting that mm -hmm. happens in life, having some emotional intelligence can really help you. Yeah. You know, and I want to go back to childhood because when you were speaking and I was listening, I thought about how so many um, – how how uh, how do I want to say this? Less children will suffer, I think. Um, I'm going to use my own brother for an example. My brother Jerome, Jerry, okay, is his name. 
and uh, he lives in Houston in a home. He's schizophrenic, but he became, I believe, he, his personality split when he was sexually abused, uh, assaulted, I should say, not abused, sexually assaulted by, he was, an, he was an altar boy. I think I've brought this up on the air before with you, actually, Dewan. Okay, so yeah. he was an altar boy. My, our family was big, Catholic, Irish, Italian family. And the, the priest that, or I don't know if it was just one or if it was several, but he was sexually abu- uh, uh, assaulted as a child. Um, and um, never, no one ever knew about it until just a couple years ago when he told my nephew uh, about it. And, um, and so the reason I bring this up is because so many kids are in situations where that happens to them. I mean, I have... I have dear friends. I have uh, uh, just people I've met over the years in my life. A girl in, 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 in school, you know, uh, as a teenager, you know, she confided in me and told me that her own father had sexually abused her. I've known other people that that's happened to. Family members. I mean, I could go on and on about this. Uh, uh, you know, step-parents, step-grandparents. I mean, it just, it can come from any angle. But my point is, if a child goes to therapy at a young age, and this is kind of not a comfortable thing to talk about, but if they go to a th- if they go to therapy at a very young age and are like I think they should have a well checkup if it's kind of like a like you go to the doctor to you know get your well checkup to see if you're growing accordingly I think you should go for a mental health well checkup too so that children have an outlet if they are in a situation like that where they can get the help that they need and 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 you know uh, prevent them from becoming adults that are really suffering and mentally or emotionally very disrupted. And, and, and Bern, you know, thank you always for for sharing in your vulnerability. I hate that your brother had to experience that and he, you know, had to suffer through that. Um, but I think you're speaking to the importance of our childhood traumas and how they, yeah. how we carry them throughout our lives. And I think one of the things that people forget is that although our kids love us, and they adore us, they don't always feel comfortable telling us everything. No, they're too scared. Sometimes, and sometimes they're scared of what you may do when you find out as a parent. So Mm -hmm. they don't tell you. And so, and sometimes they feel ashamed or you, they may feel like, you know, you may blame them. So there's various um, reasons why kids don't communicate to their parents. But what I've learned as a therapist is that I've had, unfortunately, so many children um, disclose to me, uh, abuse or bullying mm-hmm. or things that are going on and their family members are oblivious to it. They right. have, and these are well-intentioned families. These are not broken homes. These are families who spend time with their kids and they talk with their kids and they just mm-hmm. don't know what's going on because mm-hmm. as a parent, you, you don't have a crystal ball. You can't watch every move and everything that happens to your kids. So I think therapy is important in that reason. And I would agree with you. I think therapists should be a, a quarterly kind of wellness check that you go in a couple of times a year you go in you sit down for an hour you talk with somebody and whatever you want to say you just get it out and i think that gives parents an opportunity to help facilitate a healthy Mm -hmm. development of their child because what people don't realize about trauma typically when somebody is abused at a young age that's where they mentally stop growing that's where they mentally and emotionally stop growing. So they stay stuck there. So if it happened to them at 12, when they're 30 and they experience another trauma, they're going to regress to who they were when they were 12 mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Your, 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 the neural pathways in your brain have started to create an unhealthy way of processing the world and seeing the world. And so, so much of who you are at 30 is a reflection of how you responded to your trauma at 12 and talking mm-hmm. to someone 
about it can can be extremely helpful. Yeah, I'm thinking of a girl that we had on the show, and I'm I'm trying to remember the name of her book, and her I I know her. I just have a mental block right now when I'm when my brain goes to break, it will uh, probably capture it. But um, she wrote a book called I believe the name of the book was called Snow Days, and she was sexually abused repeatedly um, by her stepfather. Okay, and she hated snow days because that meant she didn't have to go to school and she wasn't safe. And when she went to her mother and told her what was going on, finally. Deborah Kerbel. Nope, that's not the name. It's, okay. See, see, see how much it happens? But there's another case. So say, I can't think of her name right now. It'll come to me. She's been on the show before. She's an amazing, very successful woman. But she was sexually abused by her stepfather repeatedly for years and years. And, and that kind of stuff goes on. And so that's why, you know, uh, therapy at any age, but I say especially when you're younger, is so critical for your overall well-being. But um, I'll think of her name. But isn't that sad to hear stories like that? Yeah, it's, it's horrible, and and the, the statistics on women who are sexually abused is even worse. Uh, I read maybe a year ago that one in three, one in three women who are of college age are sexually assaulted. Mm, you know, wow. think about that. That is a staggering number of mm-hmm. women who are going through these experiences, and no one knows. They don't talk to it about anyone because, again, you know, there's shame associated with it in their oh yeah we have a society where we typically victim blame and so no one's talking about it and now every decision that you make that involves interacting with someone else is a situation where you're trying to figure out do i trust you do i trust you not Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of what happened and i think it affects so much of the core of who you are and your personality it can be extremely uh detrimental to your well-being for sure yeah yeah, and it's not just little girls, it's little boys too. Boys are become victims. I know another person who's a dear friend of mine um that was sexually assaulted by his step grandfather. Uh, repeatedly, he and his brother at the age of three and five years old. That's unconscionable. I can't even describe. I don't want to. I don't want to disrupt anybody's brain today by what this person did to these two small boys. But you hear stories like that and you're like, holy smoke, what the hell is wrong with people? And we need to do a better job protecting our children. I think that's at the key of it, like really protecting our children. Well, Bern, the hard part about it that is, that is, I think most parents would, if you if you poll most parents, they would say they're doing a good job. I think mm-hmm. most parents believe they're doing a good job and they're doing their best. I think the problem is hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we spend time locking people up when they do things wrong or finding them or sending them to jail because, you know, the prison systems are very lucrative instead of mm-hmm. saying, well, we need to start making sure people are getting the proper help and therapy that they mm-hmm. need for the issues that they have. And mm-hmm. I think that if you have kids, you know, parents see their kids. I always, I always talk about the, the serial killer, right, the sociopath. Yeah. You know, I, as a parent, you notice some tendencies about your kid, but it's your baby. and You don't want to. No, you put that kid in therapy. If your kid is doing engaging in abnormal behaviors, you, you give them an opportunity to someone because chances are they don't know what they're doing and they don't know that it's wrong Mm -hmm. and i think what happens is these things happen within families and it just passed on from generation to generation to generation Mm -hmm. generational trauma because Mm -hmm. no one dealt with it when it happened to great great grandmother and then it happened to grandmother and then it happened to mom and then it happened to daughter no one ever dealt with it because it's such a 
taboo, shameful thing to discuss. Oh, yeah. No one wants to go to therapy and deal with it. And so I think we have to make sure that we're taking care not of just our physical health, but our mental health as well. I agree. And we need to go to break. But you know what? Because when I come back, I'm going to change gears here. But before we go to break, you know, you said hurt people hurt people. And the, the, the solution is not to put them in jail and to imprison them. But someone said this to me the other day. I don't know if it's true or not, because I've never studied psychiatry at the level that you have. Um, but is it true that a pedophile can never be cured? I don't know, Bern. And that's a good question. I think this. I think that people engage in repetitive behaviors. And the reason they engage in repetitive behavior is because their brain has created a neural pathway. I always tell people when you're trying to think of what a neural pathway is, you think of a lawnmower and you run that lawnmower through your grass and it creates a pathway. So mm-hmm. a neural pathway is a pathway in which information in your brain flows through. It connects from this to that. So the neural pathway that they have created says it's appropriate for me to do these things. It's appropriate mm-hmm. for me to do these things. And yes, it is a mental health issue. Yes, it's a mental illness. And it can't be corrected unless people are willing to go through the proper mm-hmm. treatment. And I don't even think it's talk therapy when it comes to uh, things like that. I think they have to go into some intensive EMDR, other aspects of, uh, of mental uh, cognitive rehabilitation mm-hmm. training in order to change those behaviors, mm-hmm. for sure. I, and I think that they have to be held accountable because you can't you can't create change unless you have accountability. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I think that. So I wasn't necessarily saying they yeah. shouldn't go to jail. <laughs> I yeah. was saying they should go to jail as well as services. I think accountability yeah. is so important. And we okay. see all these cases around the country, no one going to jail, that doesn't make a person stop doing it, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they cause a lot of damage, but we're going to talk more about steps to starting therapy with Dewan Bennett right after the break. Everyone stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. All right, everyone. Welcome back to One Life Radio. <laughs> this is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Dewan Bennett. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Dewan Bennett is a licensed professional counselor with two master's degrees and over 14 years of counseling experience. He currently has his own practice, Dewan Bennett Counseling, here in Dallas, Texas. He believes that the key to mental and behavioral success is the ability to master self-awareness and emotional control. You can find Dewan on Instagram at d.bennett underscore counseling. That's d.bennett underscore counseling. We're talking about steps to starting therapy. So how do we know, Dewan, if our symptoms are beyond the range of normal feelings and worth seeking help for? 
I think one of the keys is when you start to not engage in things that normally bring you a sense of joy or pleasure. If you start to realize that, you know, your anxiety is keeping you from hanging out with friends or, you know, going to the gym or playing with your kids, then you're starting to realize, okay, my symptoms are getting to a point where it's starting to become debilitating. I'm not able to do the things that I normally look forward to or enjoy. Or another key sign that your symptoms are really getting out of place is when you're just, you're just at a point where you, you can't even recognize yourself. You're not mm. responding to the world and, mm. and things the way that you normally do. That's a sign that something's going on beyond your ability to control it yourself or to handle it yourself. Yeah, I think that, that that's a great way to assess it, right? Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, I know people that are suffering like that. And, and, and how, so how do you convince somebody? If you know that they, you know, are suffering and that they really need to seek some help, how do you um, convince them, or can you? I think so. I think to a certain degree, there's, a, there's, there's, there's this part where everyone who is in pain knows that they should get help. I think they could be afraid of, you know, you know, what help looks like or the answers associated with help, right? For some reason, like, you know, people are coughing up blood, but they don't go to the doctor because they're afraid of what the doctor would say. I think one of the things that you, it's helpful for therapy because therapy kind of has this taboo associated or this negative stigma. I think talk about your own personal experiences. I think if you are convincing other people to go to therapy, but you haven't gone to therapy on your own, then you're kind of being a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that if you're saying, hey, you should go talk to therapy, you have your own personal st- stories with therapy that you can share with them so they can see that it's not necessarily as a bad or intimidating as people believe it is. So I think just being vulnerable with people or sometimes you've been saying, hey, if you're uncomfortable with going, I'll go with you to your first appointment because obviously mm-hmm. they're confiding in you and they're comfortable with letting you know what's going on. So I think even offering going with people to their first appointment or setting up their first appointment for them can sometimes take some of the pressure off. I remember my first appointment with a shrink. <laughs> it's like the pink panther trying to sneak into the building where no one would see me in this small town. And I and I actually worked at family court then. And I had great insurance. I was a state of New York employee. Um, and I remember just being so afraid, Dewan, to go there. And But I was suffering from really, like, really bad anxiety. At the age of 21, I was, like, frozen with fear. And I, uh, I and I, th- I think in part from, uh, you know, I'm being very candid here from just squishing down the trauma, always trying to fix things and be the peacemaker in the home, along with my oldest sister, uh, Therese, we just, you know, we were the ones that were always trying to fix everything and in some things you just can't fix. But I think it just kind of all came to the surface. Uh, as I found myself in this situation, plus I wasn't eating well. I was trying to, you know, I, I was, you know, borderline anorexic at that time, trying to control, control things, control things, right? And I found myself uh, sitting in the shrink's office, and um, and I remember her telling me that 99% of everything that we worry about never happens. And, the, and the, you know, the old expression, the, the biggest fear that you have is fear itself. That will do what it did to me. It made me frozen almost, barely able to function. Um, and uh, because anxiety has a way of snowballing on you. But I think that so many people, as, as I said at the beginning of the show, they're prejudiced, you know, uh, they, uh, if they have mental illness or a mental disability or whatever it may be, a really bad anxiety or depression. There's a stigma to it that is not very um, appealing. 
But but I think being candid about it and being open about it, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human. We all suffer. We all have imperfections mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Would you agree with that? I would agree. But I think the part where you hit it is we're all human. We all suffer. We all have things that we experience. And we all should get help for those things or have somebody there for us. Yeah. You know, when you think of mental health or psychiatry in its earliest forms, you have the family member, they show some signs of crazy, and what do you do? You lock them away in the mental facility or you keep them in a basement or you hide them from the world, right? They yeah. are they are not to be uh, allowed to be around. And I think mm-hmm. we're so afraid of uh, people either throwing us away or looking at us as less than or weak that we don't do the thing that's going to make us stronger because mm-hmm. I always tell people strong people get help, you know, because if I can, if I get help, I can withstand more. I can take, if I'm moving a couch and I try to move it on my own, it may take me two or three hours to get that couch in the house. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to, it's going to burden me so much that once I move that couch, I can't do anything else. Right. But if or I you say dan- to my neighbor, Hey, <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> if you say to your neighbor, Hey, what? <laughs> hey, Hey, Hey neighbor. Hey, could you come help me with this couch? And the neighbor says, man, that looks heavy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Five minutes later, the couch is where it needs to be, and now I can move on to the next thing. We carry this backpack of weight yeah, around it's every a- single day, burn of yeah. hundreds of pounds. Unfortunately, it's not on our back. It's in our it's- head. It's a, it's a, that's a fantastic analogy, and here's why. Because sometimes the, the couch is too heavy, and you can't get it through the door. And if you do get it through the door, you might damage the door frame or damage the wall or something. And so it's, it's good to address it and, re, and understand and be, you know, let the ego, uh, you know, uh, melt away a little bit and realize that you're not in this world alone. Everybody has imperfections. Everyone struggles at certain times in their lives. And one of the best things you can do, I think, is to just be upfront about it, but there are people that will try to hurt you with that information. I, I've had it happen to me. I remember one time, uh, somebody, uh, one time, uh, that knew about, you know, my past anxiety, used it as a tool to really harm me. And it sent me into a spin. I remember where I was standing, uh, when, 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 uh, when the text came through, it was just this ugly person trying to make me feel bad, trying to make me feel less than, you know, people will tear, tear other people down to build themselves up. But I remember how devastating it was. And it was years, years after I first, gone to therapy for um, having an, an anxiety disorder. And uh, and I don't even know if it was just a, an anxiety disorder or if it was just life just throws so much at you sometimes that you're not able to carry the couch by yourself, to go back to the great analogy that you used. You know, the, 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 the tricky part is, Bern, the more you want out of life, the further you go in life, the bigger or the heavier the couch, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, if I want to own my own business, if I want to be a mother, a father, if I want to have children, if if I want to if I want to thrive in life, then my couch is going to be heavy. Mm-hmm. And just think about it. What's the difference if this couch is heavy? I have a hundred pound couch. I can't lift it on my own. But think about if I have three or four friends. Now I can lift multiple couches, which means right. I can take on more in life. I can take on more challenges. I can deal with more. But when we're so afraid to communicate with people, because unfortunately, burn you're right. We do have people who will say, nope, guess what? Dewan asked me to help him with his couch. He's weak. I'm going to tell everybody that Dewan asked me to help him with his couch. And we do have some yeah. of those people who will oh, yeah. back at us. Oh, yeah. And Jerry, but- I want to talk about your couch when we come back from break. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got any good couch stories? Like <laughs> My couch is lovely. <laughs> right. The 1950s style uh, <laughs> painting couch. Mid-century modern? Yes. <laughs> All right. I love it. Simple in design. Uh, we'll be right back. More coming up with Dewan Bennett and Jerry Caldwell and myself. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. Hey, everyone. I have to share a story about how amazing TerraFlora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take TerraFlora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotics. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the Advanced Care, her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says TerraFlora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about TerraFlora Advanced Care and all the TerraFlora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. All right. <laughs> Little Beyonce. <laughs> Love that girl. Welcome back to One Life Radio, everyone. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Dewan Bennett. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We're talking with Dewan about steps to starting therapy. Jerry, do you have a quick, quick couch story you want to share with us before we get to the rest of the content? A couch story. like Couch story. Like, Was your couch ever really heavy in your life, and did you ever go get therapy because of it? My couch has been pretty heavy my entire life for <laughs> a number of reasons. My... <laughs> My adoptive parents were not always the best to me. They had a lot of anger issues. Mm. And uh, my mother started suffering from dementia uh, pretty early on in my life. And, um, you know, I I got some therapy when I was a kid. And that had mixed, mostly blah results. And so for the rest of my adult life, I didn't really think that therapy was really a thing mm-hmm. you know i just mm-hmm. it's so, never done me any good when, when's it ever going to do me any good and i just want folks to know i have been there and the key is to find the right therapist well, there's somebody out there you will mm-hmm. click with mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everything will break open and you will just find yourself you know snotty and sobbing in their office <laughs> It, it it can happen. Therapy yeah. is, is a good thing. I recommend it. I do. I do, too. I believe it's like I'm um, letting your... I always describe therapy, especially my first time with the, my first psychiatrist that I went to, as a way to let your soul bleed, to let your heart bleed without... And that doctor making sure that you don't bleed to death or that counselor. And so, Dewan, my question to you is, how do we know if a therapist will fit our personality or our needs? You know, Brian, that's a... That's a tricky question, and, and, and Jerry, I think you hit it perfectly on the head. I mean, you know, sometimes we have early experiences with therapists, and it's not the best because it's kind of like forced on us, and typically we're resistant to things as course. And sometimes it's like the therapist is not good, let's be honest. I think 
understanding that not every therapist, no matter what their ratings are or what their reviews may be, may be the therapist for you. I believe, Byron, I believe I am a very phenomenal therapist. I think I'm great. But I also know that I'm not for everyone. My therapy methods, the type of way that I go about things is not for everyone. So I think Mm -hmm. finding a therapist that it just feels easy to talk to them. You feel like they're listening. You feel like they're engaged. But you also feel like they care. And I think that's important. I think you know you have a good therapist when you can't wait to get to therapy to tell your therapist something, a memory, a trigger, or something that happened to you because mm-hmm. you know they're going to give you good feedback. They know you know they're going to support you. And you know your therapist always makes you feel like a priority. I right. think that is what allows people to feel vulnerable in therapy and work through mm-hmm. things because you can't work through things unless you're vulnerable. You know, yeah. think about it when you're when you're trying to find a, a relationship. You know, you're looking you're looking for somebody you know to date that you're eventually going to have a deep and emotional you know connection relationship with them. Why would you think that your therapist, who is supposed to be a similar kind of you know thing, why wouldn't you put at least some of that same work into finding a therapist? Right. You know, I agree. Why, I you agree. can't. You can't just. I mean, there's not a tender for therapists. There's, Mm-mm. it's just, you know. There should be. Well, maybe you can create it. Necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> Somebody out there, maybe Elon Musk is is listening. Maybe he'll do it, <laughs> or Mark Cuban. <laughs> you know, you know, Jerry. I think that is funny to mention that. You know, the tender for therapists. You know, we have psychology today where people can do a little research to find out if they like the therapist. But I do think you're right because. You're walking into a space with someone that you're going to divulge your deepest, darkest worries, secrets, traumas to, and you want to put a little effort into getting a feel mm-hmm. for if that person is going to be for you. And sometimes you're going on a couple of dates with a couple of therapists before you pick the right one. Exactly. Right. Well, should you listen to your gut? What if you get a bad feeling right out of the gate? Is that not, you know, are you being maybe... Um, too judgmental or should you be open to it well, how, how do you determine uh, you know you have the right therapist what are what, what's like the, the key thing that you know okay I'm in a safe place I'm in a good place with a good therapist I think one of the first signs of it is like just the introduction is there a warm caring feeling uh, in the introduction or do you get the same vibe that you get when you go to kind of see your doctor where it's kind of like come in for your business no real you know, mm-hmm. small talk, anything like that. I think if you meet a therapist and they, you know, if you're a hugger and they give you a hug or a handshake and they know your name and they kind of know some things about you, which means they read your chart and they're asking questions, they're curious, I think that's a good feeling. Yeah. I think that the part of listening to your gut is tricky because what if your gut has been marked by a lot of trauma mm-hmm. and so you naturally have a fearful kind of type right. of uh, personality where you just don't trust people? I think your gut can lie to you. But I think that any questions that you have about the therapist, you should ask them. Mm-hmm. You should ask them. You should never be afraid to ask or say anything to your, to your therapist. And mm-hmm. if you are afraid, then you should figure out why you're afraid. Yeah. Well, how often should we see a therapist to be effective? And which led me to, uh, leads me to the question that I asked at the opening of the show. What if you can't afford a therapist? And yes. what, what do you do? What do you do, Dewan? Well, there's a couple of things. Most people don't know that your company, the same way that you're, you, if you have a job and they pay for your dental and your, your physicals every year, they do pay for therapy. There's a lot of companies who have an EAP program, which is an employee assistance program, which offers free sessions for, for therapy, and they usually renew every year at the start of the calendar year. I also think there are several foundations. As a result of COVID, 
there has been several foundations that are in your community. I don't care if you live in a poor community or a rich community. There are foundations out there that cover therapy for people. But still, I would still call because there are a lot of therapists out there who are doing phenomenal work that is pro bono. And that just means it's free. You know, mm-hmm, we have an mm-hmm. ethical responsibility to offer free services. So you do have some therapists who do follow that and they offer free services. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about online therapy? Do you do you think it's best or do you think in-person therapy is more effective? I think it depends. I traditionally, I believe that when you're in person with someone and you kind of can ensure you have their undivided attention, I think it allows you to be a little more uh, vulnerable. I think some of the problem when you see people having therapy at home, they're trying to not they don't want people to hear things through the walls. So they're not saying what they really want to say or they don't know where the therapist is, so they don't want to say anything, and then other people hear their business. So I think traditional in-person does have value, but I also think online has value. Think about the people who are busy, who can't, you know, get to an in-person session. I think that is an option. There are online therapy platforms that are much more affordable than in-person therapy, and so I think they both have a place. Me, personally, I I value in-person sessions, but I can understand why someone would go online and do therapy online. Mm-hmm. I think I already asked this, but I'm so tired. I'm going to ask it again. I think maybe I didn't. <laughs> I am so tired from the last couple of days. But, uh, y- you know, I go through, I've been going through a lot of emotion, you know, just uh, it's difficult to, to have your baby leave the nest. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dealing with it. But but what's the difference between a counselor, a psychologist and a psychiatrist? And how do we know which one we need? So, okay, a psychiatrist is someone who has a medical degree, so they're an MD. So that means they went to medical school. And what they're trained is they're trained in providing, a, most of the time, they're offering medications and things of mm-hmm, that nature. Mm-hmm. But they're, 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 they're trained in doing a lot of a kind of uh, 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 scientific evaluations of your mental health and your well-being. They're kind of studying your brain and your, your, your body's response to the world. Psych- or psychologists, they're doing testing and evaluation. So this is the person that may evaluate you for ADHD or learning disorders, or they may do some testing for um, your ability to cope. And then you have counselors. They're going to be the people who talk you through your problems and, mm. and help you out. And, and talk you so they all have a different role in the mental health uh, stratosphere. Yeah. Well, it's always great to have you on the air. Miss seeing you in person, but that's going to change in 2023 as well. Again, Happy New Year to you and your family, Dewan. And thanks for jumping on the air with us today. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And thanks thanks again, Dewan. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You guys have a good one and Happy New Year. Happy you New too. Year to you, man. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Dewan Bennett, everyone. You can find him on Instagram at d.bennett underscore counseling. You get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. Take care of it. Woo! Only get one life.